0: And welcome to Spawn, a common sense, generally fun, and hopefully helpful discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. I'm one of the founders of CoolMompicks.com. Today we're talking with Michelle Eigerd and her new book. 14 Talks by Age 14. Oh man, I know this is a book my parents probably wish they had. And I know some of you out there with older kids probably wish you had. It's so awesome. And we're going to talk to Michelle all about this, plus get her cool pick of the week right after this. This week's episode is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus, who we are teaming up with to present the We Time Project, which we hope you'll join. If you're like us, you've been missing community and shared experiences, so we figured, why not make our own by taking an online course with The Great Courses Plus? They've got over 13,000 online courses taught by esteemed instructors, from philosophy to crafts, languages, travel, and the course we're taking together, food gardening. and watch them anywhere, anytime, though we're hoping you'll join us this week to try this awesome course. And because they're offering a free month trial with unlimited access for spawn listeners, you can take the class, plus however many else you want, for free. If you want to join us, and we hope you do, it's so easy. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus through our special link. You'll automatically get their free month trial when you do. Then check out that food gardening class we're taking. We'll have it linked up on our podcast page so you can find it. Just watch one of the videos or, you know, all of them if you're an overachiever. And join us on Monday night, March 15th at 9 o'clock Eastern, to chat about it on Facebook. You can go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash We Time Project, W-E Time Project, to sign up and get unlimited access to over 13,000 amazing courses for a month free. That's bit.ly, B-I-T dot slash We Time Project. We hope you'll join us and that we'll see you on Monday night on Facebook. All right, so let me tell you a little bit more about Michelle. She is a member of the Today Show Parenting Team and NBC News Learn. She's the author of Middle School Makeover. Her work has been featured in The Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, The Christian Science Monitor, Red Book, Time, and People, and her leadership curriculum for middle schoolers, it's called Athena's Path and Hero's Pursuit, have been implemented at schools across the United States, and her summer care. curriculum is offered at more than 20 camps each summer. She lives with her family in Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? Hi there. Thanks for having me. Oh, first of all, congratulations. I can only imagine how writing this book was because these were probably conversations at some point in time you were having with your kids or had with your kids or wished you had with your kids. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, you're right. Part of the the impetus behind this project was my own experience raising kids. I started working with kids who are in this age range, the middle school age range, when my kids were two and four, and now they're 18 and 20. So we have been through it all. So a lot of this was taken from my own experience. And then I also work with tons of parents of kids this age through my other stuff that I do. So I just knew that this was an area where parents needed some concrete
0: help. They they know they want to have these conversations, but it's really hard to figure out how to do it. Well, I feel like this book is something that parents have been waiting for. And I think we know some of the conversations that you talk about won't be a surprise, right? You know, we've heard about the conversations, but I'm wondering how you narrowed it down to just 14. Right. I sort of didn't. I, I have a workaround. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what I did.
1: I and every person who's writing I hope should have an opportunity to do something like this, but I cut out of my family and I rented an Airbnb for a week at the early onset of this project. And I brought down a stack of index cards along with my laptop and all my snack foods and everything. (laughs) And I wrote every possible conversation I could think a parent would want to have or need to have with their kid in early adolescence on an index card. And I basically created a crime solving scene. Like I was hunting a serial killer. I just put those index cards all over the airbnb so i could hardly walk and then i stood back and i looked for trends so the chapter themes are fairly broad for example there's one on taking care of yourself that's a massive conversation to have and within the chapter it breaks down into tiny little conversations that range from please wear deodorant all the way to self harm and suicide. So really thorny topics, mm-hmm. really easy topics, and they're all
0: under these larger umbrellas. It's very qualitative researchy, Michelle, as someone <laughs> who has a research background myself. I think that that is part of the beauty of qualitative research, right? Is looking for themes, looking at what emerges. And I love that idea because you're right. When I think about self care, I immediately think of Like, what do I do with my stinky nine-year-old? And I don't necessarily think about how do I deal with my child's stress and anxiety that they're experiencing from peer pressure. So I love that there are 14 umbrellas, but there really are more than 14 conversations. Right.
1: So as a parent, you can go to the index and you can say, I need vape right now. Or Mm -hmm. I need um, friendship breakup right now. That's urgent in our family. Or you can read just about the larger sort of concept of changing friendships. Or I think vape comes under taking care of
0: yourself as well. You know, so you're right. Yeah. Big umbrellas chock full of little ideas and before we get into the specific conversations I want to talk about how you address the ways that parents can have these because I think sometimes it's not necessarily the content it's getting into the discussion it's actually being open to hearing and listening to your child right these are not lectures you you did not write a book called 14 lectures to give your children <laughs> right you were really specific about that language at least to me it feels very specific these are conversations and conversations are two-way streets, if you will. So you have something called the BRIEF acronym, and I feel like this is actually an approach that you could use with your kids to talk about anything. So can you just set this up before we talk about the conversations, talk about BRIEF and the components of that for parents? I'd love to, and
1: I love that you noted, you know, it can be used for any age kid, it can be used for any topic, and it's funny, I'm hearing from readers, like, this worked really well with my partner. <laughs> I was trying to, <laughs> exactly. to get my point Really? I'm this at work? So yes. the model can be an approach that you can use for lots of great conversations in your life, particularly if the person who you're talking with is a bit sensitive, mm-hmm. as we know that kids this age tend to be. Mm-hmm. But here's what it stands for. So brief is an acronym, as you said. Each letter stands for a step in the process. B is begin peacefully. And the reason this is so critical is that parents often freak out about having conversations with their kids at an age when their kid is really pulling away. Mm -hmm. So they know, gosh, I really should talk about whatever it is, fill in the blank, but I know I have maybe 20 or 30 seconds and then my kid's going to pick up their phone or leave the room or roll their eyes or shut down. So instead of jumping into the deep end thinking you have just a few seconds, so you're going to cram your advice in there really fast, begin peacefully can look like this. It can be a gentle curiosity about a broad subject so if you know you want to talk about grades aren't going the way you'd like, rather than just jumping into, hey, we need to have a talk about grades, <laughs> right? you might just start tangentially about, you know, what happened at school today. So it's a peaceful beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it could look like scheduling a time to talk because kids hate to be caught off guard. Right. So you can say, hey, I want to touch base on grades Do you want to do that after dinner or would you like to save that for bedtime? Mm -hmm. So give them a little bit of choice. R is relate to your kid. You know, your child is at this age, they are prone to being very suspicious of you when you sit down to have a conversation with them and This is your chance to say, hey, we're on the same team. I'm not here to bust you. I'm not a narc. I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I just want to figure out what's going on and see how I can help. So relating to your kid in some way is really key as the second step. Mm -hmm. I is interview for data. Save your questions to the third step so that you've established a little bit of trust. When you get to the I step, the interview, you can begin to ask questions. And I find it really helpful to have the questions be sort of about your child's understanding of the situation,
0: less about what did you do wrong? Why didn't you tell me? It's not interrogation. (laughs) That is not what the I stands for,
1: right? (laughs) That's exactly right. And I want it to sound sort of clinical interview for data. I say in the book, pretend you're a district attorney and you've been assigned this case and you have like zero interest in it. You have nothing riding on it. Your kid will get quiet if they think you are about to become overly emotional. So just play this part real cool and ask some questions to get an understanding. E is echo what you hear. And, you know, if you've been to a therapist or you've seen one on TV, you know how this sounds. This is, oh, okay. So it sounds like you thought your grades were so good and this comes as a surprise to you too. Mm -hmm. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, am I right in saying that you feel like this might've been the teacher's fault? Let's talk about that. So E is echoing. F is the final step in the acronym and F is feedback. And this is where most parents start. But through the brief model, you're really earning your kids sort of trust and you're building a rapport. So by the time you get to F, you can offer your advice. You mm-hmm. can give your suggestions or if the situation calls for it, you can put in some boundaries or some limits what or incentives, whatever you need to do. But the point is that you've got to kind of work your way up to that position.
0: Oh, I love this so much. I mean, the conversations are great, but this acronym really from start to finish is so helpful because I think... We've been there, right? And I'm gonna talk about this in a little bit. Like we've been there, we've been this age, we have had conversations that didn't go well with our own parents, we've seen them go well, and we just wanna share our experience, right? Like we're just so anxious to be like, don't do what we did, right? But it's just, our kids aren't going to hear that from us unless like you said, we build that trust, we have that rapport from the beginning. And quite frankly, being curious is a way for us to get kids into their prefrontal cortex, right? So when kids are in the fight or flight and I have a background in therapy, I have anxious kids, I'm anxious myself. And one of the things that I've learned is that when you're curious and you're just asking questions, it can help kids get to their rational brain. So they're not defensive. So they're able to take your advice and listen to you when you get to that part of the acronym. I love that so much.
1: Curiosity is key here. Mm -hmm. And to take a little heat off the parents because you're just being curious, you don't have to know all the right answers. I think one reason parents don't have these conversations is because they're like, but what would I possibly say about pornography Mm -hmm. to a kid this age or drinking? I'm afraid I'll put something on their radar or mess them up. But these conversations are really much more about developing your relationship and your rapport. And so, as you said, curiosity is the key. And if you go in with that attitude and not this pressure on yourself that you need to get it right, Mm -hmm. it's
0: going to go great. Well, and also when you set yourself up as a person who's willing to have the hard conversations, we've always talked about this, you know, on Spawn and on Cool Mom Picks, like if you're willing to have those hard conversations, and even if you're uncomfortable, if you can kind of make yourself try to look like you're comfortable, like you're going to set yourself up in the relationship where they're going to be willing to come talk to you about the hard things. So actually, let's talk about the conversations because you kind of hinted a little bit at this in terms of what age, right? Or like people can just look up vape or they can look at the whole self-care umbrella, but can you talk specifically about what age? If you have a recommendation, is there an order that works better than others? Like, is it just like my kid came home and was talking about, like you mentioned grades, so let's do it. Or are you a little more methodical about these? I think you can
1: take either approach. In general, I find that a more organic approach feels good to everybody involved. So like, your kid comes home and mentions something, or you're watching TV and a character does something and you think, hey, that might be a really cool segue into this conversation. That's great. But sometimes those opportunities don't present themselves naturally. And so you've got to create them. The way that I wrote the book is the 14 chapters, in my mind, they progress from easier conversations to more nuanced. And within each chapter, there are two or three examples of the brief model in action. So I'm Mm -hmm. giving new scripts, your kid's not going to follow them, but at least puts you at ease to say, okay, this is how this would play out potentially. It's it's helpful to hear it run through. So you're getting practice. So you start with the easy stuff and then make your way through. But as you said, maybe you're going through, you're on the sixth conversation and you say, holy cow, we've got to jump to the Mm 10th. Something has come up. It's great to bounce around like that. And I will say one other thing that I'm very excited about. I have created an online course that goes with the book. Oh, amazing. Yeah. That's great. So if you read the book as the parent and then you think, okay, how do I start the conversation (laughs) on friendships changing or Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. retaining your creativity or fairness? Every month, a new module comes out. It's 30 minutes long. You do it with your kid. It's meant to be a light introduction to the topic. So it's BuzzFeed-style quizzes and activities, and it's just a way for you to dip your toes in together.
0: Oh, that's so, so helpful. We'll be sure to make sure that all of this information, obviously along with a link to your book, is on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. I think that's helpful. And the way the book is set up, I've read it, I've gone through it, you can easily jump around. It's not like you're missing something if you go to the one, conversation about sexuality and then you were on another conversation about self-care. Like it's really set up in such a way that it can be a reference, which I think takes a little pressure off parents, right? Because we're like, do we have time to read all of this? How do we do this? So you can definitely use this as a reference. You know, I was looking through the conversations before I read it. There are many of them that are hard ones that either we didn't get from our parents ourselves or like just may stir up some difficulties for us. You know, maybe we had trauma around some of them and they're triggering to us. And so this is a tough question, but, you know, when we have these conversations with our kids and Judith Warner talked a lot about this when she came on talking about middle schoolers and some of the issues is that it brings up so much for us. You know, like we remember having these conversations. We remember situations when our friendships changed in a lot of the things that you talk about. So do you have any advice or ways that parents can kind of get around themselves, you know, or like get over yourself in a way or deal with your own stuff so that you can be better equipped to talk to your kids? Because a lot of this is about us, right? There
1: is a bit of pre-work that I think you need to do where I see families getting into really tense and confusing situations that sort of feel like I don't know how to get control back. It's when parents haven't gotten a handle on what their hopes and intentions are beforehand. So just Very recently, I was talking with a group of parents about curfews. Mm. And, you know, parents like to sort of collect data from each other. So, you know, do do your kids have a curfew? What time? What do you think about it? And we got into a more philosophical conversation around, well, what is the point of our curfew? What are our biggest fears here? Mm -hmm. Do we not want our kids to be so entitled that they feel like they can be out at all times? Do we really worry about safety at a certain point? Is it our inability to fall asleep because they're out, there are millions of reasons that are pro and con. And and people in our group, some felt like curfews are essential and some felt like, yeah, you know, I don't think I'm gonna do a curfew after we had this conversation. But the pre-work, whether it's thinking about your past experience, as you talked about, or whether it's just thinking at a broader level, like, what is the point of this? Why do I have a hangup about kids dating in middle school? What What's my big fear here? That's often the question I ask myself. Mm-hmm. What am I most afraid of? And are there ways I can mitigate for that without just blindly making rules that I don't have a grasp on, then mm-hmm. then I can't quite defend when my kid comes to me.
0: So I think pre-work is really important. And that's mostly just thinking it through. That's so helpful to know, because I think we're required to do pre-work for a lot of other things, right? Like I didn't go into the interview with you without like reading the book and in exploring some of the issues that I had with, you know, my the own conversations, right? Like I think about pre-workout, like we go to the gym and they're like, you need to, you know, uh, make sure you have carbs. So it's like, I, I like this idea of being able to relate it to other things in our lives. Like when we dive into a cold pool, it's not super fun. Right. <laughs> so like walking in slowly and like, you know, tempering our experience, whether it's a cold pool or conversations with our kids, it, it totally can change not only the experience of it, which is you want it to be successful and positive, but then that can inform the future conversations you have, right? It's like you're setting yourself up for success
1: that's entirely it. And the idea is, I love that you said jumping into the cold pool. There are moments in here in the book where I say, this is a conversation you've really got to think about, you know, Mm -hmm. dating and sexuality. Technology is another one where we tend to go (laughs) as parents. I don't really know why, but it seems like I shouldn't let my kids do X, Y, or Z Mm -hmm. because other people aren't letting their kids do it or because I read some scary news articles about it or because I don't understand it. So I'll just say no to that. And I think we make our lives easier if we do a quick little dive in and get a better understanding of what we're talking about before we bring in kids' minds that can be um, impulsive and combative and questioning and all of those things.
0: Now, what do you say to folks who look at the list of the conversations you have, which, you know, there's drugs and alcohol, sexuality, like these like sort of classically tough conversations. I'm sure you've heard from some parents at one point or another who say, you know, kids aren't old enough to have that conversation. My kids aren't old enough to be talking about that. That. This is something that they need to do when they're older. This is a mature conversation. And I mean, I have thoughts about that. But I'm curious to know what you think about some of these conversations, which do skew older. Like, what are your thoughts on starting them, you know, in some ways with younger kids?
1: Oh, I love to start young. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm a big fan of starting young. I think you need to have some common sense around not oversharing. And there is a section of the book where I talk about what's appropriate for having these conversations with your kids. But I think each of these conversations can probably exist at a young elementary school level and then ramp up as kids get older. So none of these conversations are one and done. Mm-hmm. There, there isn't a master conversation that you have that checks the box and, "phew, you did it. <laughs> you know, I think the sex talk should begin super, super early with a complete, you know, here's how it all works by
0: age eight. Mm-hmm. I,
1: I'm a fan of that approach.
0: I am too. You, you don't have to convince me. I mean, I did yeah. write a sex <laughs> book for parents, so I'm very sex positive. Yeah. But I also feel that starting it early sets the groundwork for the conversations you want to have later.
1: Oh, I completely agree. And then you just calibrate to where your kid is. And and the easiest way when parents say, well, I don't know how to calibrate to where my kid is, ask them. Yes. What do you know? What do you understand? And what are you curious about? And from there, you can gauge your answers to be appropriate to your child. But I believe that we are in the business of keeping the door open. Mm -hmm. We want our kids to come to us when they have questions, when they feel lonely, when they're concerned, when they're angry and they can't get a handle on that. And so if you prove that you are a person who can talk about these things without freaking out then your kid is far more likely to
0: come to you in the future when the topics get bigger and harder. Yes. And by the way, you know, I love Jordan Shapiro. I'm not sure if you read his book, The New Childhood, but one of the things he talks about is how like starting young is great because they listen to you. Right. They think you're cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they're young, they think you're cool. So having these conversations, like they're more apt to listen to you when they're seven, eight, nine, you know, when they start to get into tweens and forget it when they're teenagers, they're going to be more skeptical. So, you know, like, again, you're setting yourself up for success later because you've got those conversations happening when they're little, when they still think you're a cool mom or you're a cool dad. Um, okay, so let's talk about those hard conversations. So you've got like sexuality and you've got drugs and alcohol. And I have to be honest, and I don't know if this is your experience. I feel like sometimes those are a little easier. A sexuality is a little more nuanced, but I think drugs, and alcohol is more cut and dry. And sometimes those seem like they're going to be difficult, but they're actually not. I feel like it's the ones about like responsibility and independence that are like, oh, I can talk about independence. But then when you really look at it, you're like, whoa, this is loaded. Were there any topics like that for you in the book that you were like, wow, this is much more difficult than I thought this conversation would be?
1: Yes. (laughs) And I think you're right that the things like drugs and alcohol, I mean, it's a pretty clear line. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Right. We have we have a pretty clear stance on 14 year olds in drugs and alcohol, right? Right. But these other things, the ones that you mentioned, those are the conversations that require the pre work, that require you to really have a better understanding of where you stand on these things. For me, fairness was a really tough oh, one. Yes. And that yes. that comes up a lot in your home if you've got multiple kids, mm-hmm. because never fair between siblings. <laughs> indeed. You know, I have two kids and I was really sensitive to that with my kids growing up and always trying to make sure that I was dialed into who each kid was individually. And I made my best effort and still really screwed it up in one way, (laughs) right? You find out later what you did. So (laughs) no one's perfect. Happily, I think I did create an environment where the child who felt like I had done something wrong came to me and we talked about it. And I shed a lot of tears and I was like, oh gosh, I really see where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. I guess it did come across that way, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So fairness is tough because you don't wanna hurt your child. And so if you're talking about a family dynamic, it gets really tricky. And it's also really hard because you're talking about societal fairness. Yes. And so get into these really big topics that we want our kids to understand about equity and about race and about inequalities. So that chapter, it sounds like a simple word, but boy, that was a hard one to really wrap my arms around.
0: I'm thinking about it right now. I mean, I've got four kids, so that comes into play. Whether it's something small, like, you know, I didn't bring home boba tea for everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or like the bigger things about how, you know, you didn't get picked to play because, you know, someone was the coach's child or because the ref made a bad call. Like there are so many nuances to fairness. I love that you brought that one up. And I love that you're addressing these because these are conversations that we have with our kids and maybe we don't label them. But I feel like when we're able to do that, when we're able to say, okay, wait, this is about fairness. These are things that our kids need to know. It's so helpful. Not that we're like checking it off our list, like you said, but you're like, okay, I am addressing the hard things. I am facing them head on. And these are things that are going to make my kid a great adult, someone who can handle their own difficulties, right? And their own issues that they're going to encounter as a grown up."
1: Yeah. You said that not every conversation is in a lecture. And I love that. And I also didn't want every conversation to be a bummer. Yes. <laughs> I want you to have fun talking to your kids. So some of the topics, the independence chapter, the creativity chapter, the money chapter, some of them are, I think, ripe for just having a good time together. So I think that's important to note, too. So if you're listening and you're thinking, "Ooh, I don't want to talk about Drugs and Alcohol and Sex exclusively, there's a lot of fun to be had here as well.
0: Yes, they are 14 conversations. We're talking about the hard ones, but, you know, I think that you're right. I mean, but this is the fun part of parenting. Like, this is the stuff that you're like, oh, this is why I put up with all that teething and all that butt wiping, right? It's (laughs) like, I'm having, like, these great conversations with my kids. You're hearing from them. You're seeing them become the people who they were meant to be. So I love that. Let's, yes, let's remind everyone that you can have fun You're getting to know your child. And to me, I get excited by the idea of like building that bond and that relationship with your child in such a healthy way. Speaking of healthy parents, let's talk about us again. You know, we can be party poopers. We can be conversation crashers. Like We have the single-handed ability to shut conversations down with our children, right? Because, I don't know, that's just what parents do. And you talk about how not to mess things up, basically, you know, which I love because I feel like parents might go into this and be like, "Ugh, I don't know. I can't do this. It's too hard. So can you give some examples, maybe something that happened on your own where you blundered? and you learned from it. Like, I think people would love to hear like, oh, hey, like I tried to do this and that did not work. You know, like I can think of a bunch myself. In fact, I think of so many that I have, mommy was an idiot cupcakes that I buy for my children. <laughs> when I've messed up, it's part of my apology. My kids know them well, except instead of idiot, I use, you know, another word. But <laughs> basically it's like, I messed up. Here are some cupcakes. Like, I'm curious to know if any of those conversation crasher moments were yours or you know just I would love to hear that
1: oh yes of course many were mine (laughs) many of the conversation crashers I wrote because I recognize because I've been there or I've heard other parents do it as I mentioned early on I really love to observe so some come from tv some come from eavesdropping at the mall some come from my own life but what I do is in the beginning of the book I give some real general universal things that will end a conversation pretty quickly with a kid this age and then within each chapter there Are conversation crashers that are specific to that topic. So if you're talking about friends here specifically, please don't say this. Um, But Mm -hmm. I'll share a few of my favorites from the more universal category. So a big one is we tend to make assumptions about our kids, and we do it because we think, well, I've been there, done that, I have the wisdom, I should share it with you. And what that sounds like is you know, I wouldn't do that. You're going to regret that. If, if you mm. make that decision, if you quit the baseball team, you're going to regret it. Right. And for a child who is going through the process of becoming an individual, becoming independent, separating from the parent, what they feel is, you don't know me. I am my own person. Yes. You don't know right. how I feel or how I will feel in the future. So making assumptions like that, it's not helpful. What you can do instead is, like we said before, get curious, ask questions. So okay, let's think this through. If you decided you wanted to quit, what would that feel like in a week? What would it be like to not go to practice anymore? How would your teammates respond? How would you Mm -hmm. feel about how they respond? That's so
0: good. That's so good.
1: Get them to think about it a little bit instead of you having all the answers and being omniscient, which I know that we sort of do, (laughs) but it doesn't help our kids. They deserve the same opportunity to earn wisdom that we got right? Mm -hmm, Another mm -hmm. one that kids don't like, and really no one likes this, but this is one that I do a lot. When I feel I've reached my absolute limit, I go to absolutes and I'll say, You never turn your work in on time. What is going on? I always have Ah. to tell you to write everything down on your agenda and you never do it. And I need to know why. Mm -hmm. And because your kid is entering this phase of shifting from concrete thinking to hypothetical thinking, everything has gone from being black and white to this real gray area. So they're becoming like really terrible attorneys and they want to explore that gray area. So when you start using your absolutes, they can very quickly shut you down by pointing out the one time that they did turn something in on time. Therefore, everything you said is wrong. You're not to be trusted. Exactly.
0: Yes. Absolutes.
1: Yes. Very bad. <laughs> Very bad. And the other one that I am probably known for, I'm getting much better about this one. I will say once you're aware of these, I think it's easier to kind of tune into them and tweak them a little bit. But for me, I hate to feel like people don't appreciate what I do for them. I love doing things for my family. Yes. And I love to have just a little bit fun little bit of gratitude for it. I I suppose most people are the same way but I will get passive aggressive if I feel like I've done something really nice and I'm not recognized for it or worse, I'm mm-hmm. sort of snubbed. So mm-hmm. it's that classic situation where you've worked on a dinner and your day was really hard and you put effort into the dinner and you put it on the table and everyone's like, ew, we're having chicken? Yes. And uh, My go-to would be, okay, fine, I don't have to cook dinner anymore. You know what, you guys can go <laughs> from now on. You can pour your cereal and that's that. But never have I done that and then had my family be like, oh,
0: Gosh! Okay, you're so right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Oh my gosh! We call that Beverly Goldberging in our house. Yes, that's what we call it. So if if anyone, if our listeners are like, "Huh?" You got to watch the Goldbergs. But the mom, who we love, we love Bev. But my kids will be like you just Beverly goldberg me, mom. <laughs> we use mom goggles from that show too. Like you are ran your mom goggles on me. That's amazing. <laughs> I think I'm perfect. I love it. Well, that's really helpful because I think it's nice to hear like, you know, parents, we mess it up. I think it's how we clean it up, right? It's how we clean it up. And what's so wonderful is you have laid everything out in the book, right? 14 Talks by Age 14, like you've laid it out. So even if we feel like we're going to stumble, you show us the, the, the ways that we could possibly stumble and the ways that we can recover. So ugh, it's so helpful. I love this book, Michelle. And of course, people can find it everywhere you find your books. And where is the best place for folks to find you if they want to connect? Come
1: to my Instagram, I hope, because I'm having a ton of fun there and I like to keep it funny, but also I do, you know, parenting tips and things. So that's just my name, Michelle Eichard, on Instagram, and it's I-C-A-R-D. So you can find me there. You can join my Facebook parenting group. It's called Less Stressed Middle School Parents. So I'm there. And then my website is my full name, too. So
0: michelleichard.com. Fantastic. And we will link everything up. Of course, your book, which is out now, folks can get. We'll make sure that all the links are there. So if you go to coolmompics.com, we'll link up Michelle's site and her book and her Instagram and all that good stuff, too. Well, now it's time for... of the week. Cool picks of the week. And Michelle, you're my guest, so you get to go first. Okay. So this <laughs> this is probably decidedly uncool
1: in many ways. It feels to me like <laughs> less cool mom and more uh, grandmotherly. But I will say, I've spent so much time hunched over my computer lately, and it really kills my neck. And so my nighttime routine after I wash my face has become Tiger Balm, slapping a bunch of that on my neck, and getting my heating pad and wrapping uh. it around my neck while I start to fall asleep. And I listen to the Calm app. I love their bedtime stories. Yes, And it's helping me tremendously with stress relief and neck tightness. So I'm giving it up for Tiger Balm.
0: Oh my gosh, look, this is great. Tiger Balm has nostalgia because my mom used to use Tiger Balm. So like I smell it and it's like I'm back home as a little kid. And I I also, I think many of our listeners are hunched over computers these days. So this is great. I love this. I'm so glad to hear it works. Yes. And you just slather it and you just put the heating pad and then just kind of do you roll your your shoulders? You just kind of just let the heat and the balm set in. You just sit there. You don't do any work at all. You just Yay. sit there, and you watch your TV or you listen to your
1: audiobook or whatever it may be. And it's a really delightful way to end the day. Okay. Well,
0: I'm a cool mom. I mean officially I am right. because of the website. So I'm saying that's totally a cool mom. Yay. Thing. You're good. You. <laughs> all right. Mine is the kind of the opposite direction. Although you could enjoy this. I, I do love the calm app though, so I get the idea of chilling out. But I was just introduced to the show What We Do in the Shadows, and it's based on a movie that was out a few years ago. It's created by Jemaine Clement, and Michelle, I don't know, were you ever a Flight of the Concords fan? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. So he is one half, right? right? And so whenever I talk about him, I also say that he was the crab in Moana, (laughs) which helps people. They're like, oh, right, Jemaine. So basically what this is, it's a mockumentary of vampire roommates living in Staten Island. Okay. Like, just take a second and put that all together. It's on FX, but you can find it on Amazon. It is hilarious I have not laughed so hard to, like honestly like I was a big Shit's Creek fan laughed hard this is a hard laugh it's for adults so let's keep in mind it is an adult show older teens maybe but it's called what we do in the shadows it is so so funny so I don't know Michelle if you're a binge watcher like definitely add this to your list if you want to laugh it's oh, Kristen, so good TV
1: is my everything I keep a list <laughs> I very I spend far too much time watching
0: television I I love it with all my heart. And so this will be my next show. I'm excited. All right. Well, let us know what you think. And if are there are any listeners out there that decide to take my advice, let me know what you think. It is really, really funny. I mean, just the idea of vampires hanging out in Staten Island. I mean, just that is funny. But if you love The Flight of the Concords in particular, you're going to really love this. Awesome. I'm in. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our guest, Michelle Eichard, and to our awesome engineer, John Bowen. If you've got a moment, please, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We would greatly appreciate that. And you know, when you do that, when you subscribe, when you download our episodes, it really helps other people find us. Of course, you can just share this episode. If you're like, hey, this applies to like six of my friends who are in the throes of tough conversations right now, just send them the podcast. You can also join us in our Spawn podcast community on Facebook, where we chat about the show topics and pretty much anything else you'd like to talk about. And fingers crossed that you're going to join us for our food gardening class with the We Time Project. Make sure you head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly slash We Time Project to join us. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Have a great day. Bye.